pray for us just to kind of open us up, and then we'll kind of dive into what we have for tonight. Uh, Pray with me, please. Father God, we thank you for this opportunity to gather together to share a meal with one another, and God, to share of the great things that you are doing um, around the world, and specifically the way you are forging a relationship between Kevin at Prez and the Ebenezer Church in Belize. We ask, God, that you would help us tonight to communicate what it is that we saw and experienced, and that you would open the hearts of your people here to um, understand how big it is of what you're doing between these two communities. We thank you for the gospel, and we thank you that it is because of the gospel that we are able to jump into this relationship. We love you, Jesus. It's your name I pray. Amen. 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 So, you guys, let me, uh, let me introduce myself. Um, we, my name is Whitney Bell, and I'm on staff here at Covenant. I work with our high school and middle school students. And, <laughs> shout out, thanks. And uh, I have been um, working at Covenant for about three years. And when I first came to Covenant, I asked, do we have a mission trip that we do for our students, for our high school and middle school students? And the answer at that time was, no, not yet. We have, but we haven't had one in about seven or eight years, something along those lines. So um, as I got more involved with the youth, I started asking, um, why, why aren't we doing mission? Why aren't we out serving? We've done some local things here around the town, here around the city. But we know that the call in Acts calls us to Judea and to Samaria and to the ends of the earth, that our call is international. So uh, when Nathan and I stepped into leadership here with the students, one of the first things we wanted to get started was an international mission trip. Now, Covenant has some amazing relationships um, that have been put together internationally. We have an amazing relationship in Zambia. We have an amazing relationship in Cuba and in Senegal. But those things are hard to get students to, right? That's a hard spring break trip. Uh, Zambia is kind of far. Cuba has kind of a lot of regulations. And so we, what we wanted was something that we could, we could take students and families on that was going to be accessible and that was going to be an easy way for us to jump into serving in a foreign country. So I started thinking back to what had my experience been. In 1998, I went with my church, Westminster Presbyterian Church in Lubbock, Texas, to Belize. It was our first ever international mission trip. Belize is a tiny little country just below Mexico and in Central America. And and we went and we started a relationship with a church in Belize. I went every year after that up until 2003, and I fell madly in love with the people of Belize, with the culture. And it was amazing because I got to see what our church had started to be a part of. In fact, my church in Westminster, my church in Lubbock, Westminster, is still a part of what God's doing in Belize. So when this conversation started between Nathan and I, I said, we should see if, if we can go and serve in Belize. Here's why Belize is awesome to take families. Number one, it's a two-hour flight from Houston. We can get there quickly. So that is easy. It's easier to get to Belize from Austin than it is to get to New York City. So uh, we said, why not? It's more tropical. So uh, we, uh, we, we, that was easy for us. It was accessible. We also, in Belize, they speak English. So we didn't have a, a language barrier between us. We knew we could go and speak, and, and speak English there. Belize is also a safe country. There's no travel warnings. You don't have to get shots before you go. Malaria is not an issue there. It's easy for us to just go. You don't need a visa or anything like that. You do need a passport. And also, you, don't have, they, you can just use American dollars there. You don't have to change your currency. It is an easy th- place to take a family for a first-time mission trip. And so Nathan and I started looking at what would it look like for us to get to go. I have a friend, and he's here today, Tim Tam, and I've known him for a long time. Tim is the man in the beard with the beard waving. Um, and I've known Tim a long time, so I called Tim and said, Tim, can, I, can we bring our church? And he said, sure, let's, let's talk about that. I need you to come and see. And I said, Tim, I don't need to. I've been to Belize like 12 times. I do not need to go back and see. And he said, Whitney, a lot has changed since 2002. So why don't you come back and I want you guys to pray and try to discern where God might have your church to plug in in Belize. 
So Nathan and I, in August, jumped on a plane, and we went and we met with Tim and Kenny and another lady named Elaine. And Kenny's back there. Yes, wave Kenny at us. Hey, Kenny. And uh, they, took, they took us all over the country to meet different ministry partners. We drove all over Belize meeting different ministry partners. We saw an orphanage. We saw different churches. We saw all kinds of organizations. But as we were ending our trip, Nathan and I didn't quite feel like we had found the right spot for Covenant to plug in. In fact, as we were heading to the airport, we were talking about needing to come back and bring more people so we could try to figure out where it is that Covenant should fit in. As we were driving to the airport, Tim said, there's one more place I want to take you. There's one more spot I want you to see. He took us to a neighborhood in Belize City called the Burial Grounds. The Burial Grounds is called the Burial Grounds because it's right next to a cemetery. It's one of the poorest areas in the entire country of Belize. It's basically a swamp where the poorest of the poor have gone and put buildings up on stilts, and uh, they are squatters over the swamp. The water is toxic. There is no running water. There's a lot of times not electricity. Um, it It is the poorest of the poor in Belize. Tim wanted to take us to a church there called the Ebenezer Church. He wanted us to see what God was doing in the midst of this poverty, that there was incredibly, an incredible rich community of people that were worshiping at this church, the Ebenezer Church. Nathan was planning to preach the following Sunday, and God had put on his heart to to preach about an Ebenezer. In the Old Testament, when when God would be faithful and when God would show up, the people would build with rocks something they would call an Ebenezer that they could look back and say, remember God has been faithful and he will continue to be faithful. So when we drove up to this church and saw that the name of it was Casa de Oración Ebenezer, we knew it was exactly where God had called us. It was, a, it was a church that was thriving. God was at work in it, but they desperately needed help because their church was sinking. And so we uh, prayed, we came back and shared with the mission committee and with our committee and felt God calling us to go and to be a part of what God was doing in the burial grounds. So today what we have for you is we're going to invite up different members of our team that went to kind of share different parts of our journey. Uh, And so one of the first parts we're going to start with is really even how we assembled our team. And I'm going to invite Nathan to come up and share about that. You'll get to hear from different people. We'll have uh, pictures kind of going in the background so we can explain what all God did. But it was marvelous. And we cannot believe that this is just the beginning um, because it really is just the beginning. So Nathan. Tell us about the team. The team. Well, um, like Whitney mentioned, uh, when we were looking at this trip, we were looking through the lens of family. We were looking at what would be an accessible way for families to go together to serve together. And we wanted to do that because as great as youth mission trips are, as great as it is to take a group of students out and um, show them what it looks like to serve in another country, we knew that there'd be far more fruit if entire families or father and sons and father and daughter and sons and mothers and daughters would be able to go together because it's something that they would have in common. It's something that they could share for the rest of their lives, that experience. And so we were really passionate about what it would look like to take whole families. And so um, ultimately 30, uh, ultimately 29 um, adults and students were able to go to Belize. And of that, we had um, three full family units and uh, we had, uh, oh gosh, we had uh, Rusty and Matthew, father and son. We had, um, I'm going to forget them. Help me out here, y'all. We had Amanda and John. Am I forgetting anybody? The Rui brothers, yeah. David Rui and uh, John Rui were able to go together. So very cool thing to be able to see um, full families be able to go on this trip and kind of experience that thing together. And so uh, we we formed the team by um, inviting people to apply. And that sounds really scary. But really, it was just a form you filled out, just kind of explaining what your heart was in going and why you wanted to go. And it was really neat because we were able to sit down with the youth committee and pray over those applications. And God made it really clear kind of how to form that. And ultimately, where we ended up is we were able to take um, all of the older students and their families and then be able to say to the younger students who applied, hey, we're going to be able to make sure that you go in the future. So everybody who applied is going to get to go eventually to Belize, which is really exciting. I think it's nice to be able to say, hey... You're going to be able to get it. So once we had that team form, it was about, when did we have that team form? It was about six months before we left. September. So starting in September, we began meeting with that team once a month to begin some training. And um, it was even easy for me to think at first, you know, do we really need six months of training before going to Belize? But um, by 
um, each month we talked about all these different topics and you started to see like, man, I even need to get my heart prepared and my mind prepared. And so we talked about how um, you can easily go into another country and do more harm than good. That if you jump out of that van and you're just taking pictures of everything around you, not really interacting with people for the right reasons, um, you can really do a lot more harm than good. So we talked about what it looks like to go into a community and do good rather than harm. We talked about how um, uh, in Belize especially, their culture is that you be ready to tell your story at any time. And so you'll be in a church, and they'll, um, they call everybody pastor. So you'll be in a church, and the, you know, they'll turn to you and be like, Pastor Nathan, come tell your testimony. And it's not one of those moments where you can be like, no, I'd rather not. Like, you have to go do it. And, uh, and so we, we talked about uh, what it looks like. You know, for, first of all, what is your story? You know, what is, it, what is your story? Where is God moving in your life? And then what it looks like to share that in front of a group. And so um, you'll get to hear some of those stories today of some students who got to share and some adults who got to share. And so uh, that was a really neat piece to see. And so we prepared for this trip by preparing our minds and preparing our hearts, preparing ourselves what to expect culturally. And, um, uh, you know, as much as you prepare, you're still surprised again and again once you're there. But um, it was a really neat thing to be able to grow as a team even before we got to the trip. One of the things we did is we had prayer partners each month. And so our team actually got to begin praying for one another and getting to know one another before we ever got to Belize, which was a neat thing to already kind of begin the trip as a full team already. So am I forgetting anything? Boom. All right. Well, uh, who's next? Rusty. Rusty, you want to come on up? This is Rusty Burnett. Hi, I'm Rusty Burnett. My son Matthew and I were able to go on this. Matthew, stand up. Yeah, and wave, everybody. Yay. Uh, my part of tonight is to tell you about the construction part. So I'm in construction here in Austin, so I got that assignment. Um, on the left, Tim Tam looks very much like the most interesting man in the world, if you've seen those commercials. And he, uh, he'll tell you that. Next to him is, is my hero. Oh, there's music. Wow. Uh, my hero, Kent, was our uh, supervisor on the site. He's a scary man. You, you, do what, you do what he says, but at the same time, he's so patient with everything we, uh, everything we did. We're, he's used to working with crews that know what they're doing. We didn't, so he's very adaptive to our skill set. You can go, I'm gonna be, we're doing manual change. That's another picture of Kent. He's kind of a Clint Eastwood type guy, and very patient. Um, before we got there, the students had raised a bunch of money to, uh, to set the pilings, which are these big, tall, concrete pillars. They're about 40 foot tall, I guess. And they, uh, they bring them in. Also, before we got there, they'd filled in what was kind of swamp with some fill material to kind of level it out. And then uh, these pillars are set in this machine. They're, they're lifted up and set in place at the right spot. And then uh, a, a literal pile driver drives it into the ground. So I think we've got a, one short little video of, of that going on. So yeah, as, as they do this, the first couple blows, it would move just a little bit. As it got through the top crust, there was times where it would fall. It would go down literally five feet in a section until it hit something solid again through all the mush and the mud, everything was there. And they would drive them in until it just wouldn't go any further. So when we got out there, like you see here, they're all different heights because they're just going down to a certain spot where they can't go any farther. And uh, so we come on here and there's this kind of just forest of concrete pillars sticking up. And uh, now what our job was, was between all these pillars to dig ditches, which are the grade beams where the concrete will be. And also there was a guy there that was sawing these things off and chipping them down. And they would drop onto the, in the, into the area. And then our guys had the joy of pushing them over out of the way of where uh, things are going to be. So, okay, stop right there. Stop right there. Please, please. On the, the first day, we were kind of getting spread out and getting assigned tasks. And, and Kent said, who out here, there's somebody out here who knows about construction. I was like, that's me. So he says, come here. I was like, all right, I'm getting promoted already. I'm moving, moving up the ladder. So I go over to where he was, and he said, I got a job for you and a couple people. I said, yes, sir. He said, you need to put an enclosure around our bathroom. I was like, great, okay. <laughs> so uh, myself and several, I think the Rui brothers and, and Noah, we were the Banyo boys. So... <laughs> Uh, th what this was, the, when the old church came down, there was a septic tank with the toilet sitting there that was left from that, still usable. So we were, our task was to enclose it so we'd have some privacy to use it on the construction site. So next few pictures are of us building that. 
Oh, this is another story. Chapito. I met Chapito the first morning. This looks like a real teamwork kind of picture here, you know, such a such a good feeling picture. What had happened right before this is we started to saw the first boards, and I managed to saw through the electric cord. So Chapito and I were patching back the electric cord at the saw. That's how that's how we became close friends. So yeah, th these are the walls going up around the uh, around the bathroom. Quite moving. That's actually the pastor, Pastor Ibanez, came out while we were building it and did all the cleaning of the of the toilet and stuff, you know, to kind of bless it for our use going forward. There's a lot of pictures of this. I'm really proud of this. Okay, now moving on is, is this is what I was talking about before, breaking up all the concrete from the pillars that fell down. We did uh, five days of digging trenches between these uh, pillars so that uh, the rebar could be tied. This is kind of an aerial view of it. Stop right there, too, if you could. See where the white chalk is? It's not marking the body. It's actually marking between the, the, uh, the pillars where we're going to dig out the dirt and uh, then put rebar cages in there to, to hold the concrete in place when we, when we pour that. So, uh, yeah, all these concrete pillars before we got before we left were all down to uh, to grade level, and then all the ditches between all these pillars were, were dug out and kind of fine graded. And we'll get to the rebar here in just a second. Oh, this is another good one too. Go to the next one. Okay, compare compare that look to what you see on the next picture. I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> so we had this, we had this uh, system set up where we had these boards. And you can see, uh, stop right there too if you would. Uh, we have rebar running the long way that spans across those boards. There's all these little things called stirrups that are pieces of rebar that are bent in the shape of a square. And every place where that bar touches a stirrup is tied with wire so it's just real tight. So we had a whole crew lined up. We do like, I guess, 40 foot or 50 foot sections at a time of these, uh, of these beams. And then we'd pick the whole thing up and carry it over and set it in, in place, you know, in the foundation where it was going to be in the concrete. Okay, Trey. Yeah, so our rebar crew was the only shade on the site. We had a little bit of a tent that was shade from maybe 9 to 11 in the morning, and then it was back in the sun again. Some people got really good at tying rebar. Yeah, here's, here's once it's moved off of the rack out to go into the grade beam. It looks almost like a skeleton of a dinosaur or something. Yeah, here's the, here's the columns. Uh, stop on the net. Oh, yeah, anyway, when, they, when they'd fall down, we had to move them out of the way. And as you can see the first picture, there was two people trying to move it. By the second picture, there's like six people trying to move it. So we learned our lesson. There's some of the grade beams between uh, all the columns. It was a messy site, but it dried up each day as we went along. Here's, as we got closer to the end, you can now start seeing the pattern of where the grade beams are going to be within the building. Um, and there's the beach. <laughs> and this is on the building just as you leave the airport, uh, which was kind of a good closing. But anyway, I guess in summarizing this from a biblical standpoint, there's, uh, there's a place in the Bible where it talks about... Uh, you know, give me the give me the the foot lamp to, to show me the next step. And with the crew that was there, I felt advantage because I was around construction, had some vision of what we were doing, some some vision of what we were doing. Uh, where so many of the people there didn't know what was next, but everybody's effort and diligence and just doing what they're what they're told to do, the next step was just really a, a great joy to be around. So, thanks. So you guys, I, 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 most of you guys have heard this, but the reason we took on this project is because this church, as they met each week, whenever the rain would come, the swamp would rise, and this church was literally sinking into the swamp. So they would go into church on Sunday morning, and, and their feet would be wet. I mean, there would be swamp water all in the church. And so, and as the church sank, it became less and less safe for people in the community to, to meet there. So we went and they said, what we need is some way to build a firm foundation. Nathan and I really thought, this is something that Covenant can help with. And so you guys saw us out on the patio for weeks and weeks in the cold with a big sign that said Belize. And y'all were so generous. We raised over $15,000 to be able to start this project. Um, and to go there, I mean, we, if y'all saw, we had like our little Legos that every time you bought a, 20, a foot, you put you could put it down like a little Lego. And so when we showed up, it was so much 
different than the Legos looked. Uh, but we, it, it was so incredible to see this project that we had been praying for um, begin and to see that get started. We also, when Nathan talked about prepping for, the te- for our team, we weren't sure actually how far along we were going to be in the work, and we weren't sure we were going to have to do much physical labor. In fact, before we left, I told our team, there's a good chance we're going to be mostly with people and not working. And then we showed up, and I mean, they worked us to the bone. We worked very hard, and our team wasn't necessarily uh, prepped for that, but man, did they work hard. We were sinking out in the mud, but it was a joy for us to get to do that. So uh, not only were we, did we, were we privileged to get to be a part of building a building, but really the, the, the more significant part, um, because we know that that's not really the church, that what the church is, is, is this is the church, it's the people. And so uh, the more important thing for us while we were there was to build relationships, to get to know the community. Um, something that we know about mission is it's not just one-sided. It's not just that the rich American church comes in and fixes it. Um, it's that... Uh, the best part of mission is going and getting to learn from your partner. And uh, that was what our hope was, was that we could go and start to build a relationship that was mutually beneficial between ourselves and this church and the burial grounds. And I'm going to invite a few of our teammates to come up and share about how it benefited them so richly. Um, So up first is Jen Genovese, and she's going to come share uh, about some of her relationships that she created there. Yeah, Jen. So get in my get in my view so I can see you. Um, bottom line, I fell in love with everybody on our trip and everybody that we met. I mean, the relationships that got built um, in preparation and then there were so good and so strong. And what what that tells me is that. Um, that God was in every bit of that. Um, from our first meeting where we were matched with prayer partners, um, and that was just a time where we really got to know one other person on our team deeper. Um, I, was, I was paired with Natalia, is she here? And fell in love with Natalia. She was, she was the first person I fell in love with on this trip. And it just went on like that each meeting. There's a person that you've seen, maybe sat a few, you know, rows behind in church, but didn't know at all. And then you find out some of their story and, and how can you not love them? I mean, it was just, so it was exciting to go with this group of people that some of whom I'd gotten to know pretty well. And some, I still didn't really even know like, okay, who's Taylor and who's a lot. Like, I just didn't know all the girls yet because there were 30 and we hadn't been paired with everybody, but we got to know each other on the ride up to Dallas and then, um, I mean, by the end, these are, they're, they're my kids too. You know, I, I love these guys. Um, before we left, we were also matched up with a specific person who was our p- prayer partner in Belize. And uh, Whitney gave out a little index card and it had the person's name and probably their age. I've lost track of mine and a little bit about who they were. And all I knew is that I had Pastor Elizabeth and she was the mother of the teenager who was paired with my son, Noah. And um, so we started praying for, you know, and it was this vague, like, okay, Pastor Elizabeth, and she's the mother. And that was all I knew about her. The first night that we went to the actual location to the burial grounds, it was not a work assignment. It was um, to go for church. And we didn't really know what this was going to be. Um, we thought it was just their church but we knew that the church building had been torn down. And so, you know, we were, we were game and we were open and we did not know what, what it was gonna be. And we arrived and there was this huge tent in, um, in a vacant, what was otherwise a vacant field. And I thought, oh, that's cool. While they don't have their building, they've got this tent. No, the, the tent was not there all the time. It was gone the next day. But that day it was filled with people we learned afterwards there were about four churches that had combined, or maybe more churches, but churches from the burial grounds neighborhood had combined, and they were having the service for us. And there were a couple of people who were standing on this little bridge over the ditch so that you could get from the street to the tent area who were greeting everybody. And there was um, a man who introduced himself as 
Pastor Banias, and then there was a woman who said, and I'm Elizabeth. I said, are you Pastor Elizabeth? <laughs> she said, yes. I, I mean, I, okay, it had to be the spirit, right? I hugged this woman that I had never met before, but I had been praying for it. It was Pastor Elizabeth. It was my prayer partner. It was the woman from the car. <laughs> like, I met her before I even got to the tent. She was there. And we just, and, and I said, you know, soy Jennifer, because um, I wasn't sure, Did she, and she doesn't speak much English, but she hugged me and I hugged her, and it, I mean, it was an index card, y'all. Like, that's all we knew about each other, but she had been given my name, too, and we were, we, we were matched. We were matched by something more than an index card, and it was so beautiful to hug this woman who really existed and who I had been praying for, and she and I became very close over that week. I mean, we... It, it, it's, it's not like any other um, foreign trip that I've ever had, you know, like I've never been matched with somebody when I've gone on vacation. And even on prior mission trips, I wasn't matched with somebody, and so I didn't already have somebody I was looking for. But the thought that went into this program, either just because Nathan and Whitney knew or because Tim Tam had, had guided them in some way, like there was something so extra beautiful about the way Covenant prepared us in so many ways for this trip. And so um, then during the week, too, I mean, we were watching the, the children come, and they, they, they were skipping school because they wanted to be with your kids, with our kids, I mean, who were showing them the kind of love and attention and enthusiasm and joy that they don't always get to see. And... Um, that was, a, that was a beautiful thing. Whitney said at one point while we were on our trip that every time she does a mission trip with Andrew, it makes her fall in love with him. And I can tell you that that was true for me with my family, but it was true for me watching everyone in our group with the children and with their prayer partners and with Pastor Abanez and with each other. And it was, it was an incredible, it was an incredible week. Um, Another part of it that our family, that, one minute, that we got to do separately is Whitney um, said that Chipito was going to be doing a clean water project in another location in a village, and they wanted just three people from our group to go and partner with a few people from your church. And so, um, so we went with Chipito to a village, and so that was a chance for Covenant to partner with another church from Texas, to partner with Word at Work, to partner with this little village, St. Margaret's, um, where the mayor of, is that his or is he manager? He's a mayor. He was so, the chief, he was so beautiful in his love for his people. They had been having a lot of children get sick and the doctor suspected that it was because their water supply was not clean, and Word at Work had water filters um, that had been provided at group discount or something, but this, this village was the first one to get the water filters, and we were able to go as another outgrowth. So by sending, uh, you know, I mean, so many things just grew exponentially and relationships, and we were able to see that. And um, and sometime when I don't have two seconds left, if you want to know about how we got to this village when there was no diesel left in Belize, <laughs> and we still managed to get there without running out of diesel, I'll tell you that story another time. Thank you, uh, up next, we're going to have John Sanders come share. And John... Uh, came on this trip not knowing he was going to get to serve as our translator. We had, the church that we work with is, uh, it's a, it is a Spanish church. Um, and so we were expecting to go and not have any language problems. And then, oh, there were occasional language problems. And so it was great to have John because he served as our translator and we were so glad to have him. So thanks for sharing, John. You can share in English. Okay. Appreciate it. So my name is John Sanders, and I had the privilege uh, to go on this trip with my daughter, Amanda Sanders. Amanda, please stand up. Thank you. Um, one thing for, for me personally, um, I had never been on a mission trip before, and I really wanted the experience, um, and I really wanted the experience to be transformational. Um, and, but 
So, so when we got there um, that first day, um, and I went out on the uh, on the site. The site was, as, as you saw from Rusty's pictures. Actually, can you not not yet on these? Okay, thank you. Um, when we got there from um, we we, uh, as you saw from Rusty's pictures, it was this red clay mud that when we walk around in it, you know, our our shoes would sink into it. Um, and the first thing we were asked to do was clear debris from the site. Um, and we, we quickly learned that we couldn't move around very easily. So, so we formed a little line and we were passing stuff, stuff forward. It was a pretty, pretty simple task. Um, and one thing that I did, and I just, I just I said this silent prayer. And, I, and I, said, I said something like this. I said, God, I'm here. Um, and I don't know how. I'm going to be transformed by this experience, but I'm going to try to be as open as I can be and do everything I can. Um, and as, as um, Whitney mentioned, when I was a kid, I lived in South America. So my, my Spanish is a little rusty, but it's still there. Um, and so one of the things that I could do um, was there was a lot of people that had uh, migrated from the Latin American countries, Nicaragua, Honduras, El Salvador, including Pastor Urbanias, who's, uh, who's, who's the pastor at Ebenezer Church, um, who spoke primarily Spanish. Um, and so a little later that day, um, we went on a walk. And you know, Whitney asked me to go on the walk. Um, and it was really great, because that was when I first started connecting with Pastor Urbanias. And he was telling me about how when he first moved there, and, and that they had had a hurricane right afterwards, and, and the water had been up to his chest. And, and he was telling me about how you know, these roads, these gravel roads that we were, were rather new, and that before, you know, they, would, they had these, these wooden bridges made out of basically crates that would get them through the houses. And he was telling about the kids in the neighborhood and, and about the schools. And, 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 so, and so I started feeling at that point, kind of started, started the connection, the connection that Jen talked a little bit about. Um, and, and every day, we would work really hard, um, and we'd work um, as a group. And you know, I, I talked to the people in, in that in the church, who, who a lot of them I didn't know really well before this, this trip, but I got to know them personally. Um, we would spend the evenings going to dinner at, at the houses of, of, of some of the people in the neighborhood. I got to go to Pastor Bania's house, um, and um, we would go see some of the projects that they were doing with the neighborhood. One thing they were doing was this was this sewing um, training where these uh, these ladies would come in there and Pastor Bania's and they would learn how to sew, and then for graduation, they would get a, get a sewing machine. And, uh, and it was, but over time, it was, the transformation that it was me, as I, as I felt my heart grow um, toward, towards these people, both the people that I was there with from this church and the people in the neighborhood. And I, I, I really became, you know, th this was no longer 30 people from my church and a bunch of people that lived in, in, uh, in, in this poor neighborhood in Belize. Um, now I'm ready for the pictures. But this was Josh and Andre, um, you know, and, and just having fun. Next one. Uh, and, and this was uh, David and Joshua. And Joshua here um, played the drums. Um, and, uh, and, and, and so he, at the church, he would keep, he would keep pace with the drums and, and uh, live right next door to Pastor Bonnie's. And this was Eileen and Natalia. And, and Eileen was uh, the pastor's daughter. He had, he, um, and, uh, and, and she, was, she was a great person. We, we really enjoyed getting to know her. Next one. And this is Michael and James. And I love this picture. I mean, it look, the looks on their faces, I think, I th I think is great. And this is Sadie and Laura. And that's really what this experience was to me about. It was, it was really kind of that, that growth. And, and I, you know, I told you about that first day, and I told you about the little prayer I, I said. And there, there was one part that was pretty amazing to me. Um, and um, oh, sorry, I have one more picture. I forgot about this. Not, didn't mean to forget about it. This is Pastor Abanias. Um, and this man, um, for a little over a dozen years, has had this vision and this dream to build this church, and um, and and has has wanted to make a positive impact to his community, and and, and is just a very kind-hearted person. Um, they they had lunch at our, at their place every day, 
but, but just, just a fantastic person. But as I was saying, on that first day I said that prayer. And, um, and um, not a few seconds after I said that prayer, I heard Amanda, my daughter, say, Dad, look what I found. Um, and and um, can you pull that picture up? And she found the styrofoam heart, um, which I had her put up on this, on this block up there. And the weird part to me is that I felt my heart grow in that week, but I didn't know it that day. Um, but I felt like I got an answer to my prayer. Looking back, I felt like God was telling me, your heart's going to grow on this trip. And that's what happened. Thank you so much, John. I'm going to invite um, a student to come up. I'm going to invite uh, Taylor Barnes. She's going to share a little bit about her experience. Taylor uh, is just about to finish her freshman year at Anderson High School and was one of the youngest kids to come with us, and she was awesome. Be sure to just hold the mic up okay. so they can hear you. Yep. Okay. So I'm Taylor, and as she said, I'm a freshman in high school. And so when I first heard about this trip, I just instantly felt called to go. I just felt... I don't know, but you, you know what I mean. Okay, so um, uh, so I applied to go, and um, I prayed about it a lot, and I got accepted to go to Belize with this with this team of all these people, and I real and Whitney told me that I was one of the two freshmen that was going, and that was just kind of scary to me because there's all these sophomores and juniors, and then some seniors and all these adults, and it was kind of scary to me, and so um, so I went to Belize, and it was. It was just an unforgettable experience to me. And um, so on the first day when we got there, after the flight and the stay at the hotel in Dallas and lots of bonding, um, uh, when, we got off the, when we got off the plane, I looked around and I just kind of doubted myself for a second because I just felt like, like I shouldn't be here. Like I'm so little and I just felt kind of in the wrong place. And... Um, and then that night when we went to um, the church service that um, Mr. Navisi had talked about, it was just a moving experience. I just felt really like I was supposed to be there. And that was really, really cool to me. And um, then the next day was the first day on the job site, and I dug a lot of holes, and that was a lot of work. And so I was there, and I felt, I felt more out of place because... I only had one real friend there, and that was um, my friend Meredith, who's the other um, freshman there. And so I just felt kind of out of place with all these juniors who are all best friends, and it was kind of intimidating. But um, And uh, we did this thing that was uh, secret buddies. And um, I didn't know it at the time, but Nick Mara over there, he was my little secret buddy. And he... Um, I was feeling really out of place, and he um, gave me a note, and he had no idea how I was feeling, and he just um, talked about how like brave and courageous I was for doing this, and how um, how proud of me he was, and it was just a really cool thing for me because he had no idea what I was going through at that time, and. Um, he later told me that um, he doesn't usually like write this much because he wrote a pretty long thing. <laughs> he doesn't usually write this much, and uh, he said that he just kind of felt God just kind of lead him um, to write this letter, and it just said all the right things. And um, that night, I was talking to Whitney. <laughs> we had a nice little moment with uh, Whitney and Meredith, and uh, I showed her this note, and uh, we prayed about it a little bit, and it was just a really... Um, it was just a total God moment, <laughs> and um, I learned that, um, I'm sorry, <laughs> it's okay, um, <laughs> um, that um, I just need to put my trust in God in all times, and while I was there, I also, um, me and Victoria, on one of the last days, we went and talked to this uh, woman named Connie, and um, she had had a stroke about, I think it was two years before, was that right? Yeah, two years. And so the whole like left side of her body was completely paralyzed. And um, she was talking about how in her life she had gone through all these hardships with her stroke and not being able to walk for a long time. And it was all these super, super sad things that she was just pouring out to us. And every time she finished one of her stories, she would just say how God is so good and how he provides for us. 
um, when we need him, when we need him, yeah. And it's just throughout the trip, like, God just provides for all of us. And that was just a really, really, whew, really cool thing that I learned on this trip. And after this trip, I got really close with all these people. It's like a second family, and I love it. It's so fun. And um, um, so, yeah, that was my trip to Belize. <laughs> Thanks, T. The moment she's talking about our God moment was one of my favorite moments of the trip, too. It was very special. Um, okay, our last student who's going to share is James Sipowitz. Uh, come on up here, James. And uh, James is a junior, about to finish his junior year at Westwood High School. So here we go, James. I'm so glad to be here. It's great to talk about everything. Uh, Belize impacted me in many ways. It made me view a lot of different parts of my life in a shifted perspective. Arriving in Belize, stepping off the plane, it kind of hits you almost. I mean, the humidity, the blaring sunlight, the new scenery and everything. Uh, even though I was more than a thousand miles away, I tried to not let that impact how I looked and how I, how I would experience everything in Belize. It, it wasn't like it was on another planet. I mean, it's just another town in another city, just a little bit far away. Mission, like Whitney said, isn't one-sided. It's all about building m mutually beneficial relationships. And so I, when I was thinking about what I was going to say earlier, I, try, I put a statement down on paper saying, mission is as simple as blank. And I thought about different things. I could say how I was like, oh, I could play soccer with the kids. That's an easy way. But sometimes, really, but sometimes mission really isn't that simple. Starting conversations can be tough. There's a language barrier that we have to overcome. Some people did speak English, but a lot of the majority was in Spanish. There's willingness to talk about faith. That can be with people in the village or the missionaries themselves. And some people have a fear of public speaking, which is really tough to overcome. And then also getting out of cultural comfort zones. You know, in, in America, sometimes we have a lot of small talks, saying, how are you doing, stuff like that. But if you really want to get a meaningful conversation with another person in another country, you kind of have to take all of that out of your mind and really connect. And that's kind of what faith is about. And then another thing is some people, it's hard to share your testimonies. Some people's lives, especially if we hear about all the, the really tough and devastating lives these people have, compared to what we have, it's, it makes us think that maybe our lives isn't, is, or their lives are a lot tougher than ours, and it, it's kind of hard to connect when there seems like there's such a distance in between. But something that kind of shifted my perspective from that is a person I met in Belize named Anthony. He was an 18-year-old uh, man. He, he was in the villages whenever we were doing our mission work the first couple of days. And I took that, uh, I, <laughs> I took my willingness to talk with others, and I just went up to him. And something, mission is as simple as, is just playing a game of soccer. I mean, really, just kicking the ball with someone. It's great how, <laughs> yeah, that's a cool picture, about, <laughs> about how just kicking a soccer ball can really start a conversation. It's, it's something amazing, and I'm so glad I have a so soccer experience. But a lot of it is about really respecting these people who they are. Anthony specifically, he was 18 years old. He never went to school, but he worked at a Metro PCS. He was a, he, he was the person on the line whenever you needed to add minutes to your plan. He was, I, I forget the name for that, but he, he worked with uh, multiple companies and then finally got his job after he got out of jail when he was 14 after he had a charged with he was charged with armed robbery with the different people in the neighborhood he shared a lot with about the gang life there and how it's really tough but now with the leadership in Belize how they're having now programs where they're giving <coughs> prisoners who were serving sentences they're giving them opportunity for occupation so they can break the cycle of crime 
And it's, it, it was, it's amazing to see how, what everything he went through, he, he, was there, he was there willing to help us build this church. He, he had been through so much, but he saw the great work that we were doing there, and he just wanted to join in. It's fantastic that I got to leave this place, go a thousand miles, and talk to someone random. It was just amazing the impact that he had on my life. It made me change how I view things in my life. It's an amazing experience. I feel like everyone should be able to go on a mission trip and one day and experience that. Thank you. Thank you so much, James. So while we were there, uh, we had the privilege of having um, someone from Amarillo there with us for our first two days of the trip, and he is a videographer. And so he went around and videoed our team um, and videoed us worshiping with our sister church, which was under a building that's on stilts. Um, and our the worship service, it was pouring rain. We were all getting wet, um, but I, I don't know if any of us have ever loved a church more than we loved that service. Um, so he, he put this video together and, um, we have, we've shared it some, but I wanted to share it with you guys. Um, and then after that, we'll hear from Steve Genovese and Tim Tam and we'll be done. So, um, I'm going to show you guys this video now.
ask our hosts if there's one thing um, they would want us to learn while we're here or take back to the United States, what would it be? Um, and she said that, yes, they have a lot of physical needs and there's a lot of poverty in them, but still their greatest needs is spiritual. Um, out of all the things that they would hope for, it's having their spiritual needs met. <laughs>
where you can just come and have dinner with us and learn about Belize, who you can do to help us set the future for next time. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just one of those things where we want to see it built because it's not just a church, but it's going to be a community center. It's going to be sewing circles. It's going to allow people that are living in a home that maybe can't be um, livable at this point, and that's down the road, but they can certainly, for the most part of the day, come to this center and be active with the community. So it's, it's, it's urgent. It's not just something that, they're very patient people, but it's not something that should take five, six, seven years. We can employ people there. There's people that need jobs. So through the help, we can get this thing done. So that's our goal. Thank you very much. Thank you, Steve. And to close us tonight, I'm going to invite up uh, Pastor Tim Tam. And some of you may be thinking, who is Tim Tam? Well, uh, Tim Tam started an organization called The Word at Work, and their role is they, they only work in Belize, and their role is to take different churches and congregations. You can totally correct me if I get this wrong, Tim. To take different churches and congregations that have a heart for mission and help get them plugged into a congregation or a mission in Belize and to help foster that relationship between the two. Um, and, and so Tim, is, Tim and his team have been hugely helpful um, for us of finding the Ebenezer Church, of helping us know more about Belize and, and, and how we can better plug in. And so it is our honor and privilege to have Tim. And Tim's going to share just for a couple of minutes. You can come on up. And uh, then close us in prayer. So Tim Tam. Most of what I wanted to say has is, is already been said. It, it's so exciting to hear the things that are already taking place in your minds and hearts. I don't know how much more I can add. Maybe I can give you perspective. I've been going to Belize for about 20 years. I know that all churches that come to Belize are not the same. We don't invite. Sometimes we, do, sometimes we invite churches not to come back. <laughs> and it's sad that will not be the case with you. God has, um, God has given you a special calling. The chemistry, I mean, you can, you can tell from tonight, there, there, a flame has been lit and it's starting to burn brighter. Or, or the seeds are sprouting or whatever analogy <laughs> that, that you want. Uh, and Jenny talked about how things will um, grow exponentially in the time that she's there. I mean, I've seen lots of churches come and go, and I've seen... The part that I'm excited that you already get, that missions is not that uh, stream that flows downhill from us, that we've got everything to give to those less fortunate, that you recognize your need before God, that you, you see your cup fill up when you're there and you discover, oh my gosh, why didn't I know my cup was empty? And that ministry flows both ways. That they're not okay, we're not okay, but when we walk with God in mission, he transforms us both. And I can, I can, can hear it in, in, your, in your testimonies. So I'm excited. Whitney is an example of that, isn't she? she? When she was a high school kid, way back. And now, look at what God is, is doing. Here she is leading the charge. In 2002 was the first time I walked through the burial grounds. On what The other nickname for the community was London Bridges. Because sometimes you're walking on these pallets, Sometimes you're just teetering on a two-by-four over the swamp, moving from little shack to little shack. But on my first visit, I went by Ebenezer Church, a little building made out of discarded materials, and these praises from God were coming out the windows of this place. And I got to know Pastor Abanez. And like you just heard, I thought, oh my gosh, this, this is a healthy church, poor beyond what you can believe, yet reaching out to the poorest, a healthy little church. Why is it? Where is, why isn't there a U.S. church that's going to come alongside and partner? with? And why do they need help? Well, maybe they don't. But awesome things are going to be happening as you partner. I mean, I've been in that church on a Sunday morning. I mean, it's, it's rot. The, the floors are, are like rolling hills because after a while, the, the plywood floors, they just rot. And they just put another layer and then another layer. But then you see the cracks in the floor, and sometimes it's distracting in church when you can look through the cracks and see a crocodile go underneath. <laughs> and the neighborhood dogs start disappearing. And then the police come out and shoot the crocodiles, and it's just life in the burial grounds. <laughs> but how exciting is it now that they're going, 
The, the symbolism of what's going on here with the pilings, as, as those go down, they go down to what's called bedrock, 40 feet down. You don't want to build a house on a swamp. You don't want a floating church, especially if it's made out of cement. So you drive these pilings down to bedrock. This is a church that is founded upon the rock, as is, is our faith. And I see that symbolic on, on so many levels. And on, it's on Jesus and on Christ, our, the solid rock we stand. So what's happening here with you and your, you literally are getting in on the ground level of this mission, aren't you? And it's built not just upon cement pilings, but Jesus has brought you to the door of this place. So last thing I see, I wish, you know, because, because in 20 years of doing this and, and seeing sometimes these special connections and, and the things that flower and kingdom work, and, um, I wish I could give you the picture in my mind, but the same idea, I know, I don't, I don't know. The scripture that comes to mind is, the eye has not seen, the ear has not heard, nor has entered the heart what God has prepared for those who love him. This, this is going to be... I should shut up, so let's, let's pray. Let's, let's offer this up to God and, and see where it goes. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness, for your faithfulness, for your mercy, not just upon the material poor, but upon us who are poor in spirit. And we, we thank you for the paths that have crossed here, for the opportunity to see your glory and, and all the... All the oh, Thank you. Thank you, Lord. So we commit all that we have, all that we are, it all belongs to you. And we pray that when you call upon us, we will yield to you and cooperate and that Jesus will be glorified. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.